I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Your time's to do the intro this time. That's that's actually kind of an interesting thing, maybe about me. People kind of think I'm quiet or private or whatever. And it's actually not so much that. I feel like I can really ramble on and talk and open up uh, very easily. But it's almost like sometimes I need like the invite to do so. Yeah, fair enough. It's mostly like I defer because it's more of like a, I don't know, like a gentlemanly reserve kind of thing. It's not like a... Okay. It's not like a, you go first, I'm quiet. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's more of just like, I don't know, it's a combination of like, ladies first and let's see what you say. Fair enough. I just remember a couple of episodes ago when I, yeah, completely goofed up my intro, so... <laughs> did, it, did anybody ever make any jokes or... No jokes yet. Gotcha. No jokes yet. That was also the robot guy one too. I really yeah. hope someone... Yeah. At least send you an Iron Man meme or something. We'll see. Yeah. So, cool. Well, uh, how are you holding up with the whole uh, coronavirus stuff? You guys hunkered down? Everything good? Yeah, they uh, they keep, you know, increasing the, the restrictions and everything. So, I think at the moment we're still allowed to go outside for, like, groceries and that. But, um, yeah, they've closed sure. down a lot of stuff. And then, yeah, I just had the news yesterday that uh, Laracon's been... I'm not sure if it's cancelled or postponed, um, but it's not happening anyway when it was supposed to be happening. Yeah. Which is pretty, yeah, it's pretty devastating, but, you know, like totally understand the right decision and all that. Sure. But like for those that don't know, I was supposed to be speaking there and I'd been kind of mentally preparing myself, you know, for this one of the biggest things that, you know, I'll ever do. And then now it's not happening. So, yeah. Yeah, a bit of a blur. I mean, obviously, there's way worse things going on for people in the world, but there's things like that still hurt. No, I hear you. I hear you. And and yeah, I mean, I think at the moment, canceled is probably the right word. But again, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it went virtual. I know some other conferences I was going to be speaking at the virtual route. And like virtual is hard, right? Because like, especially in Australia, where like Laracon Online happens overnight, like it starts... I don't know, at around oh, yeah. midnight or something here. Good call. And our internet is notoriously bad in Australia as well. Sure. So, yeah, I'm actually more nervous about doing an online conference, like speaking at an online conference than in an in-person one. Even just having the be able to see people and the reactions and that, like, like you've done an online conference, right? What's it like giving a talk to thousands and thousands of people and you literally have no way of knowing what the like what the vibe of the audience is you just gotta go like that's kind of what i do i fill the full hour just motor mouth give matt stauffer a run for his money like just try to get through as much as possible (laughs) that's kind of my strategy you know and it's hit or miss of course in the comments or the feedback somebody's like oh you know slow down take a breath but without being able to pull the audience at all and even to be fair, even when you're on stage live, like it's not like you have, I'm not like a trained comedian. I don't have like a bag of no tricks where I can just go off on a tangent. Even just knowing whether like you're still connected, you know what I mean? Like, yes, I'll be constantly worrying that my connections dropped out or, you know, and I'm just talking to nobody. <laughs> sure. It, it definitely can feel lonely if you let your head go there. Or like sharing the wrong screen or. Oh, they tell you all that things. stuff. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, I feel like the like the technical challenges of speaking at an in person conference are already scary, 
in terms of like everything that can technically go wrong with all your setup. Do, to do that online just adds this whole extra level of it. Personally, I really like the virtual conferences for two reasons. One, I think the economics of it is better. Mm. You can probably offer a lower ticket you know, price, uh, which Absolutely. means you're going to get more attendees. So you, in the end, you you may make you know a similar amount because also on the flip side, you're not having to pay for a venue and high-speed internet and rent catering and all that kind of stuff. So I think that helps. And then at the same time, maybe too, uh, you can offer you know speakers something. And that, that's just, for me, as someone who speaks at a lot of conferences, like I'm always glad to go and speak but when you do, you know, 10 or 12 a year, like th- there's a financial commitment there when you're not like backed by a company as as like a developer evangelist or something. But as me, a solo dev working for myself and I'm going and I'm not even necessarily talking about like shift or anything, like I'm just talking yeah. about PHP in general, like that's time commitment and, and sometimes a cost commitment. And while conferences do well to do a travel reimbursement, like it doesn't cover you know, everything. So the virtual conference is nice because I think they can actually offer, uh, you know, stipend, if you will, uh, or payment even for kind of being a speaker. And and, and that's, that's nice. Again, it doesn't have to be a lot, but I think that gesture for me goes a long way. Yeah, true. I hadn't really thought about that side of it. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm also sort of just thinking about, you know, the, the networking side of it, hanging out with friends, meeting free people, all that sort of stuff. That's yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's never the same, right? <laughs> no, I know. It would have been good to, to hang out. So we'll, we'll see what kind of comes of that. Yeah. Anyway, back to it. Back to it. So what should we talk about today? I'd like to talk about support and uh, marketing a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So Shift actually recently had uh, an outage. And this, so it kind of got my brain thinking on like, uh, you know, just kind of all the support and the and the marketing that kind of goes into to shift. And so I was reminiscing on this and I, I kind of did a postmortem on on the outage. So I won't I won't necessarily talk about that so much, but it was it was more of like just had a little bit of data loss. And I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I didn't lose any of this, you know, value or perceived value or perceived trust because of this data loss. And I think it was all good. But it kind of reminded me of, you know, I've been doing shift for, you know, about five years now and just about one year full time. So those first few years, you know, I wasn't necessarily taking it serious. It was just kind of a hobby. And but along the way, I was I was kind of building that value, kind of building that market as I went along. And I think that's kind of an important story maybe to, to share all of that. So maybe we can focus on those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty much these days everyone knows about shift if they're kind of involved in the Laravel community and I guess I'd be interested to know how you I guess make shift you know more than just like a business but more like a community service that's a good point and it's kind of it's it's interesting I've I've kind of always said that's kind of the double-edged sword on on both of those because kind of sticking with the community service bit as one testament it's nice because some people think like shift is maybe a like kind of an official part of the ecosystem and it's not like an official thing. It's not like a, a, an official Laravel product or anything like that. No. It's an add-on service that the community has, again, kind of by my efforts over the last few years, like adopted and donned like as, 
you know, kind of a community service, like a value added community service, uh, which is awesome. But I still to this day, you know, definitely have people that kind of take the other side of that and say, well, Laravel's free, so Shift should be, should be free, right? And it's, you know, th that's a hard one sometimes because on one hand, like I'd love to agree with that, but on the other hand, it's kind of like, I am glad that Laravel specifically as a community has gotten more comfortable with value, like things of value. Like I think yeah. the PHP community at large very much has that mentality, like very much like I can do it myself. I don't need to pay for it. I have all these tools. They're all open to me and that's great. But in a way, it kind of makes you not value your own time. Yeah. You know, on a positive note, you're like eager to spend it, right? But I've gotten to a place where it's like, I don't want to upgrade a bunch of apps for a web agency like by hand. Like, sure, yeah, I can read the upgrade guide. Sure, yeah, I can do some search and replace myself. But for $9, like, <laughs> yeah. I can I can just have it kind of done for me and get a very, very customized kind of audit and feel even better that this did, you know, an automated, you know, thorough job yeah. than a human that might have missed a search and replace or might have forgot to search a certain directory or might have gotten lazy and went to lunch and just said, whatever, I'm just going to bump the composer version and yeah you can get away with that sometimes but like i think people are finally seeing the value where i don't have to make that argument so much anymore of like trying to convince people of their time yeah i mean it's it's a win-win right like you benefit from them using it but they benefit from them using it as well so exactly there's no one that's you know put out by anything it's it's this mutually beneficial arrangement and i think that's what you've got to do with businesses you know, you can't rely on, you know, being able to take advantage of anyone. It's it's literally you're providing a service that they get benefit from and you get benefit from, you know, the reciprocal payment. Exactly. Yeah. And so I don't think that I don't think like, I again, I have to make that argument that much anymore. I think, fortunately, Shift has been adopted by the community so much that people are saying on their own, like, you know, just shift it or, you know, just just use Laravel Shift or, you know, whatever. You know, so that's that's awesome to see that kind of organically happen because yeah, that doesn't happen overnight though. No, exactly, it doesn't happen overnight. And and I'm also kind of going back to that that reserved a bit. Like I I really just am uncomfortable like asking people to share things. You know, like I it feels so much more authentic and real, of course, to me, and and is more authentic and real when that happens kind of organically. Yeah. It's the hard part with, with marketing, right? Because with marketing, often it feels like a lot of people's experience of marketing is it's very sort of slimy and manipulative and it's trying to, you know, trick you into spending money. And there's certainly a lot of marketing out there that's like that. There's also a lot of really good, more honest marketing. But I think because of the bad stuff out there, it makes you not, you know, want to come across like that. Yeah. It's hard to sell something you want to convince them of the benefit, like you want to evangelize what you're doing without it seeming like you're doing it for your self-interest. Sure. Sure. I guess for me, like sometimes I'll get focused on like, obviously, you know, there's influencers and leaders within any community, right? And so you want to have them also be, you know, aware or supportive you know, of whatever it is you're working on, whatever service or product you have. So like, again, to yeah. to see that happen organically sometimes, 
is also really helpful. Like clearly I can tell the community is using shift, which is great, but you want to kind of feel also too, that like, again, the influences of the leaders of the community also see that value, even if, even if maybe they don't use it. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like the difference between like someone endorsing something versus someone being sponsored, right? Like, sure. It's great when podcasts are sponsored, but you kind of, you have this agreement with the with the podcast that yeah you've you've got to do this to pay your bills you're getting paid for this so what you're saying is kind of you're being paid to say it now generally most people especially in our community have a lot of integrity and they will only take on sponsors that they believe in absolutely yeah which is good but there's still this this knowledge that yeah it's still being paid they wouldn't be saying it at least not for as long as they do if they weren't getting paid for it but when you get to the point where people are just talking about your product without any of that happening. I mean, that's obviously the dream. Exactly. But it's how you get to that point. You, there's no magical switch or amount of money or anything you can spend overnight for that to happen. You've got to do the groundwork, the legwork of building your communities and showing your value, um, putting out a lot of, you know, resources and free material, you know, like tips and tweets and just getting a reputation, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so I think for me, that's, that's what's been the grind. And sometimes like it's kind of the struggle with me with marketing is that I have put in those literally at this point, years of building that value. And I'm definitely seeing that start to come back. But to, of course, have these grand dreams of like wanting like everyone in the community to be able to use it, right? That like, that's what I built it for. Cause it just seemed like a, just a no brainer. Yeah this is going to save you time, valuable time as a developer and focus to be able to refactor your code instead of, again, go through, you know, all these manual tedious steps, right? Yeah. From the technical side, it has tons of value, right? But like, again, you're still just going to deal with people that, you know, kind of to Taylor's point, have this like high pain tolerance, like they can do it themselves. Like, I know you are, you know, like you didn't even really yeah. run a shift until Laravel 7 and we've been chatting for years now. So... Well, I mean, just briefly on that, I always felt that I wanted to know every little thing in detail. But what I realized when I ran the Laravel 7 shift is I still get that. Like I still go through all the changes that happen. I'm not missing out on finding out the little things that changed. It's just done for me in a much more reliable way. So yeah, I, it's kind of, again, it's it's a win-win, right? Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because it's really funny. Like I would have thought kind of going back to the last episode, like my ability to be even more accurate on a code level was what people would find the value in, like just blown away, right? That I could change like these very dynamic pieces of code and get it right. Yeah. And it's a numbers game. It does it for a majority of applications most of the time. But what's interesting is that 100% of the time, people like exactly what you said. They they like more that it's this distilled version of like, here's what was upgraded, like, not only in atomic commits, but also in the pull request comments to say like, hey, go check this, you know, article or look at these few files and and make sure you know, it does this like, they don't mind some of that manual steps, just because of that, you know, transparency, almost in a way. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, the, the main the main point being that I, I wasn't looking for a hands off solution where I push a button and it's just done for me and I don't even look at it. So, and that's kind of in my head what I had thought that most people using Shift would potentially be after. 
Me too. Whereas when I decided to run it, because I, you know, I didn't have a lot of time, but I still, I still got all the benefits I got of manually upgrading it, plus the benefits of, of you know, all the other spots that it catches. So yeah, I did have one other question I wanted to really quickly touch on before we run out of time. Sure, sure. Have you ever spent money on advertising, like Google Analytics or anything like that? In the beginning, I did some Google AdWords, and I've done Google AdWords for different products over the years. I don't find the value in those personally. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. I want to be fair, though. You really have to have your analytics set up right to kind of prove it. Because mm. I was just kind of like, hey, do a you know $200 spend and I'm going to see my sales you know go up by 50%. And you can't, I don't know, that's all just goofy. Like you can't do that that way. It has to be measured as the point in some way. Like anything else, it has to be measured. I did some Twitter advertising too. Okay. Again, just didn't see it move the needle. The biggest thing I do now and kind of going back to that community bit is if I'm going to spend money on advertising, I like to spend it and recycle that money back into the community. So for example, right now I'm running ads on Laravel News yeah, because it's basically the same amount of money. And if nothing else, I'm supporting the community that's supporting me. And that's what I really like about the Laravel community is we kind of look past the cost of stuff sometimes, even if deep down we kind of think, oh, I could do that myself. Like, because there's value, whether there's, you know, explicit value in, you know, the actual service being provided or just like intrinsic value in like being supporting of the community, right? Yeah. I bought a Tinkerwell license on Black Friday that honestly, I, I still haven't set up Tinkerwell, but I wanted to support Marcel for kind of doing something new and interesting in the community, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think the other interesting thing with with any sort of, I guess, paid marketing or any marketing in general is the different the different types of marketing in terms of if you've got a brand new service no one's heard of, your marketing is more about getting awareness for people, right? Yeah. So the channels you need to use are like people aren't searching for your product. So you've got to get your product in front of them when they're doing something else. Sure. Whereas if you've got someone that's already ready to, you know, like they're doing Laravel upgrading, that that's the current like pain point they're trying to solve. Then if you've got a solution to that, then you want to get your... Um, your ad or whatever it is in front of them at that point in time. Sure. And I've always found it quite interesting to try and keep in mind the different, those different, like those two different things and how those work together. Like for me, obviously Laravel upgrade cycle every six months. So in a way you could claim that shift is a bit seasonal. Now, of course, people don't upgrade right away. They want to wait or, you know, you have other deadlines or priorities or you want to do a code freeze or whatever it is. So while I do see spikes, during you know the month of that upgrade right or that release cycle of Laravel it's gotten pretty constant over the year with the exception of December December's always slow just because it's holidays for everyone right so I definitely see a, a downtick there so getting it out during those times to your point I'm definitely more vo- vocal then like I'm not afraid to you know say more things on Twitter I do a pre-release of of like whatever the next shift coming up is. Lately, I've been doing better about making like a, a demo video, which I think goes really well. Um, you know, I'll put things on Reddit, which is normally, you know, kind of a shit show. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you can't be, you just can't be afraid. Even if I pick no. up one or two new users there and everyone else leaves crap comments, you know, shift has like a 90% retention rate. So like... Again, if I can get someone 
like that's potentially a customer for life. So the, the lifetime value of that person is worth way more than three or four people being like, this should be free, you know, in the comments. So yeah. Yeah. And now I, what's awesome actually going to Reddit is even though it is kind of like a negative comments more often than not, I also see people actually jump to defense of shift, which is cool. Cause that, you know, while I don't ask for that or even need people to do that necessarily, it is nice to have someone jump in and say in response, like, yeah, of course you can do this yourself, but like it saves you so much time. It's not you versus the world anymore. It's yeah. Yeah. You know, the shift community's on your side. You've got your own yeah community of people. Yeah. So that's, again, that's been nice to kind of start to see that, but you don't want to let off the gas pedal kind of going back to your point. Like I don't want to mm. slow that down. So I'm trying to find new ways to reach those people Yeah. by offering new and helpful content or new and helpful free shifts. Yeah. Like the linter is, is the most run shift by far because it's free. And I expected that. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to go make everything free. No. But maybe once every few years, I can release something that is free, that that's a value add somehow. Or I can help package authors is maybe something I'm going to focus on more with Laravel 8. I, I did that a little bit manually with Laravel 7. But like, you know, with 8, maybe I can automate that and have it just be yeah. a service that any package author can go and get help immediately just bumping composer versions, you know? Yeah. And to that point, I guess, with any sort of product like that, the challenge is getting awareness of the, the product actually exists because people aren't going to be searching for a product they don't know that exists. Exactly. And that's where things like, you know, um, Laravel News, all those sorts of things are, they're really great for getting more awareness, even just getting you in people's heads multiple times, you know, like I think I've heard somewhere that people need to come across something a few times before they start to go, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And then they think they thought of it or something. <laughs> and kind of indirectly, like, I think that's what has probably helped shift the most. It, it hasn't necessarily been like the paid advertising or, you know, asking for favors from, you know, Taylor or Jeffrey or Adam or somebody like saying, hey, you know, re retweet this or whatever. Because that's, again, I'd rather that happen organically because I'm truly bringing value, like have that be authentic. I think what has helped is just getting out there and like answering Laircast, you know, forum stuff every now and then for things that, you know, haven't been answered or opening issues on just dozens of packages or opening pull requests to help them be version compatible or reviewing the upgrade guide myself when I build shift and then submitting PRs, you know, to Taylor as well, or, or not Taylor, but submitting those PRs back to the Laravel docs. Yeah. And so to have the name on that, even if it is, you know, JMAC, but I'm getting better about making sure that that's Laravel shift. If you're in so many of those areas enough times, people are going to be seeing that and finally just be like, what's, what's the shift thing, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's good. And I think, yeah, especially when there's a community built around it, I think it's good when, like you say, we support each other. We're not, you know, big businesses, anything like that. We're just a community of people. And yeah, like, you know, if if you like what someone's doing, you know, if you like what Caleb Pozio is doing or Marcel or whoever, tweet about it, you know? Yeah. Let them know. Exactly. Yeah. And again, that that's the marketing that I'm most comfortable with. And because it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't even feel like marketing. It, it, it kind of like you were saying, it doesn't even feel sleazy. Like when I'm recycling stuff back into the community and adding value and it, and it's indirectly saying something about shift, 
that's awesome. That feels good to me. And that's what I like to do best. Like, yeah, I don't like having to pay for advertising. I don't like having to go ask favors. You know, I know I can, but yeah. I just, it feels so like hat in hand, like, oh, hey, can you? Yeah. And I'll do it every now and then. If I put a lot of effort into something and it's just not getting any recognition, you know, I'll do it. I'll tap them and be like, hey, can, you know, can you retweet this? But even then, you know, I don't like it. And people starting out don't have that option either. Yeah. And so again, I don't want to overuse that advantage or anything like that. So, you know, that's all goes through my head. So I, I like it better when I can, again, organically, naturally help and recycle that help into the community, but it's got Shift's name on it. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, should we wrap it up there? Uh, well, maybe one last thing I want to point out okay. with kind of the support and marketing, just, just quickly, and maybe this is the one we can do another episode on, but I think it's important to point out that Shift has been multiple years of building this up. But one of the reasons Shift has been multiple years is not so much that it's taken that long to build the value of Shift from like the community using it. It's also actually me getting more comfortable valuing Shift at the right price points. Yeah. When I first launched Shift, I mean, I made the Shift like three bucks because I was in my mind thinking like, again, everyone's going to use this. It's a no brainer. Like, I'll just make, you know, a dollar from a million people. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, so it's so like laughable now, but I truly believe that in the beginning. So the first few shifts were literally like $3 and, you know, Stripe's taking, Mm. you know, 60 cents of that, which is 20%, which is kind of ridiculous. Like, again, just from a margin perspective to even think about things that way. But like, It wasn't until a year and a half ago, coincidentally, when I was able to take shift full time and I directly relate this, that I dialed in that pricing a little bit better. You know, I went to tiered pricing. I kept, you know, kind of that initial concept of like the latest shift is always under 10 bucks, like super cheap. So many people tell me it should be more, you know, users tell me it should be more. Adam's always tell me it should be more. Ian's always tell me it should be more. But I like the essence of, of kind of tracing it back to that again, just to make the value even that much more of a no brainer. But for older shifts, I'm, I've been more comfortable and gotten more comfortable to raise those prices to even honestly, still just a fraction of probably what they should be. And only recently, and again, this is someone coming from like a 4.2 application have maybe, maybe I gotten one or two emails and any, anytime you hear about pricing, it's, you know, they say, well, bump it up until someone complains. So yeah, <laughs> I think the important point there is is basically just for me to be able to say, like, I don't think I ever would have been able to take shift full time and have it pay again, still even a fraction of, of what a salary I could make, but a comfortable salary if you don't dial in those prices, right? Yeah. So. And I guess, yeah, one last thing would just be on you can there's ways i guess you can get your name out there indirectly by doing things like sharing what you're working on which is kind of i guess what we're doing here a little bit as well right like sure we can we can share give give value to people but in the context of what we're working on and that gives people you know it gets the names of things out there but people are getting something out of it as well you know what i mean like exactly when i did my my talk at laracon I needed a whole bunch of examples to to show all my points. And all of the things that I learned had come from building Giftida. 
Yeah. So I literally used like screenshots and stuff from it. And I did like a, a bit of a live demo to, to demonstrate the problems I was solving and how I solved them. And it wasn't at all designed to be like a, a marketing thing for Gifty Duck, but I was able to use what I learned in it to teach people something. And in return, they heard about it. Sure. And, you know, I did see a spike of people after, after you know, Laracon. And I didn't, you know, have to, yeah, do anything sleazy, I guess, or that felt sleazy. And I'm with you on that. I think you and I are pretty similar in that, that like our kind of default is to think it's sleazy. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in reality, that in a way is like kind of what makes you authentic though. Yeah. To me, I would feel if you didn't, if that cr- thought didn't cross your mind at all, like, oh, I don't want to be sleazy. Like you kind of are sleazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have a conscience is the point in your thinking. And so in turn, I guess, you know, on a positive note, and instead of calling people sleazy, like on a positive note, like that to me kind of proves that you're being authentic is that you don't want to just say, you know, gifty duck, gifty duck, gifty duck, like a thousand times or like shift, shift, shift. Like you, you want to use it as an example because it was the real example. It's what you learned from. It's the thing that's easy for you to speak about. Like even this podcast, hopefully it's never, you know, to get on here and always talk about shift. But this mini series was catered to the products we build. But at the same time, hopefully we're, you know, leaving some kind of breadcrumbs in all of our, our ramblings that have their own value well outside of shift. No one's saying go use it. If, yeah. If I, for, if I for one second felt that this was like just a one long advertisement for our products, I wouldn't be doing it. Sure. That, maybe that's kind of the one last point to, to end on. It just made me think of like, I answer every single support email that comes across with shift because I, I think there's a lot of value there for me to know what's missing and to, you know, keep an open mind and, and, you know, have that dialogue where, you know, you get firsthand information from, again, your users. And that's just so, so valuable. Yeah. You know, when you do get the occasional email, that's like, you know, it didn't work for me or whatever. Like, instead of just pawning it off and just being like, oh, sorry to hear that. And, you know, whatever. Like, I'm always, hey, what didn't work? Can you send me a screenshot? Like, what was the problem you ran into? Or, you know, yeah, sure. Sorry that it didn't. But let's get a little more context here. And, you know, kind of sometimes one of my favorite games to play is like when I do get maybe an overly harsh email is to try and not only understand, but as the gamification part of it to like kind of convert them in a way. Win them over, yeah. Yeah, win them over. And it's been fun because I think there's something that's learned on on both sides. So yeah, well, that's just good customer service, right? Yeah. And I think that's built into me regardless of the product. I had that even when I built iOS apps, like I would try to answer every review, you know, that you get a one star and I'm out there trying to find this person and be like, what's going on? <laughs> that's just built into me. Like I, I pride myself on on what I build and I want to support it and, and service it as much as I can, especially if there's something wrong, like because I stand by what I what I do. Yeah. And again, I think that all kind of ties in. So I just wanted to make that an important point because there's value on both sides. There's, again, there's value in learning what went wrong so you can improve, which again, makes you, you know, have the right attitude, makes you more authentic, makes you, you know, better. But it's also can be marketing too, because if you are able to win that person over or leave them feeling like, oh, well, at least someone heard me, 
you didn't lose a customer. Maybe they're going to be willing to come back. Whereas if I didn't answer, they'd just been like, yeah, that thing didn't work for me. And now you got someone walking around saying, oh, it didn't work for me. Yeah. Maybe they're still saying that, but they're also saying, yeah, but they listened and they pointed me in this direction and I ultimately got help. And so that was cool. Yeah. And that's the benefit of being a small business as well, is that you can, you know, look at those things individually. Big businesses, they lose in customer service because they don't have that that one person that can go and care and yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Hopefully the world changes on that. And I guess kind of bringing things full circle with all these crazy things going on in the world right now. Like, yeah, there might be some businesses that don't, you know, come out the other side. Yeah. And maybe that's one of the reasons. But I'm trying to, trying to support my local businesses. Um, you know, restaurants that have gone to takeaway only making sure I still try and try and give my money. Cause I do not want to see, you know, friends and that go under like now's when kind of those dollars can help matter you know so it's yeah it's uh you know hopefully a situation where on the other side like of all this you know hopefully those can can still grow and and uh prosper you know yeah cool well let's wrap it up there all right all right stay safe stay healthy yeah good luck out there see you next time Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 21.